Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's Bible study is entitled Creation or Evolution, Part 8. So we're going to be in Genesis. I bet you guessed that. Genesis, we're going to be in chapter 6 and chapter 7. Let's, let's start with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for a great winter season. We thank you for the great things that we've been able to learn and how you've taught us. We thank you for the richness of your word. And no matter how, dig, how deep we dig, uh, we just find more and more stuff, God, that's just so beautiful. We thank you that you chose uh, in your sovereignty to communicate these things to us. And uh, it demonstrates your faithfulness. It demonstrates your, your character, God. And... Um, so we're glad to know these words because through them we get to know you. And we pray, God, that that would be the result of this, not just so that we can know stuff, um, because that won't matter. What, what we really need to know is the one who, or who's done all these things. And so, God, we ask uh, for a heart to, to know you, to love you, to give ourselves completely to you. Pray, uh, God, your blessings over our final time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time we were together, we saw uh, this uh, evidence of the flood, as I've said, uh, and, and, and even though uh, people interpret it differently uh, in the world, obviously, uh, not, a, not a more evidenced event in all of history, the flood of Noah. Uh, literally, the, if, if it could be infinite, the evidence is infinite, just everywhere. You can't beat a mile deep of sediment. You just can't hardly beat that. Sediment on top of your mountains here in the Rocky Mountains and other places all over the world. Uh, uh, Mount Everest, the top of it, is sedimentary rock laid down by water. How'd that get up there? Again, they have their explanations for it. And um, let them talk. Uh, but so historical, the strong historical evidence of these old cultures, almost 100% of them have, have a flood epic as a part of their history. How, how did that happen? How did we have this, this, this culture in Mesoamerica? Not just one of them. The Mayans, the Aztecs, the Peruvians, I mean, all these, all these uh, ancient cultures all had this, a similar story. But we have the, the Aztecs with, coming within 60 years of giving the same timeline as the Bible does. So you have Mesoamerica and the Middle East coming to the same conclusions. What's the chances of that, if, if it's just random? Or, or could it be possible that the ancestors of both of them all, all got off the same boat, you know, about four and a half thousand years ago. I think that's a high probability. It, it, it seems to point to that. Um, we po saw population statistics. How did we only now have 7.8 billion people? Uh, the vast amount of geological evidence, global patterns in the layers and fossils uh, demonstrate consistently that something happened on this planet four to 5,000 years ago uh, that cannot be explained by anything that we currently are looking at. You can't say, oh, well, the rivers did it, or the, you'd be just absolutely, you, you're lost uh, with expo without the explanation of the scriptures. You're lost. If you want to divorce yourself from the scriptures, then you have a ton of stuff that you just simply cannot explain. So we're going to consider uh, our final time together, the ark and the flood and the conditions of our world today with regards to evolution, conditions of our churches uh, with with. At, with with respect to evolution. So let's, let's read uh, chapter 6 of Genesis, uh, verses 13. We're going to read 13 through 22. And God said to Noah, 
The end of all flesh has come before me. Mark it carefully. How much flesh? Yeah, all of it. This is not a local flood. It's not a local event. All of it. For the earth is filled with violence. Not the Middle East, but the earth. Again, what, what would the population statistics have been up to this point? You got Adam and Eve. Well, you know Adam lived over 900 years. How long, how long did Eve live? They don't, don't have birth control. Got no television. Got nothing better to do but have a bunch of kids. And their kids are doing the same thing and living just as long. You get, this thing gets exponential very rapidly. So if, to think 100,000 or a million, I think you're way, way, you're, you're not thinking right. Uh, you're thinking, I, I would suggest to you, billions of people. Global coverage. Uh, in fact, the indications are, and of course science upholds this, that there was at one time that all continents were all together. I think the evidence is in the scriptures. I think it's, uh, it says there that the, the earth was divided at, some, at, at one point after the flood. And that earth, when the earth was divided, well, then we got separated into all these different places. Again, how I, I know they migrated over across the land bridge and all that stuff, as, as they say. But really, how did, how did the Aztecs and the Mayans get all the way down here and get all that story within? And, and they're, they're within, uh, you know, 100 years either side of Christ. They were already here. How'd they get here? Hmm. Lots of questions. The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them and the, with the earth. He's, he's about to rearrange every last thing on the planet, not just lives, but also geography. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, and you shall make an ark with, with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it the length of the ark, three cub, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. This is a 6 to 1 ratio by its length to width. By the way, excellent ship. You shall make a window for the ark, just one, and finish it to a cubit from the top. So just you get an 18-inch window and a big old barge, basically. Set the door of the ark on the side of it, and you shall make it with lower and second and third decks. So he's got a three-tier. It's like a cruise ship, you know, but with no casino or bar. Yeah. Behold, I am even I... And bringing the floodwaters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under the heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Again, categorical. Everything. Like I said, he was mad. He was really mad. When you look at the evidence, you're like, wow. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, and you and your sons, and, and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark, and keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind shall come to you and keep them alive. Kind's not the same as uh, species, by the way. Something, it's, it's, a, it's a higher order, if you will. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, uh, so he did. So the ark was optimum design, like I said, characteristics of, of uh, in, incredible that you would have this, this level of engineering, such an old document, unless God was in charge of it. Uh, six to one ratio width to length, uh, incredibly stable uh, uh, craft. The dimensions of the ark became the basis for modern shipbuilding. Did you know that? They did. Because you can't beat the, I mean, the dimensionality is perfect. Now, you can go around the dimensionality, but you're going to have to compensate it uh, for something. It makes a very good barge. 
but is not a good battleship. So some of our stuff is not light based on this because you, the, the length to width doesn't give you speed. It does give you great stability. It's all about what you're trying to build. Notice all our barges around here are kind of flat and wide, well, and long. And that's basically what you had uh, in the ark. Uh, so, so an excellent barge, mock-ups of the ark, which multiples have been made. And again, the dimensionality has been the basis of all of our shipbuilding, either you know, to increase, or, or increase it or, or lessen them than the six-to-one ratio. Uh, Mock-ups have been constructed and tested. This thing could withstand waves of over 200 feet without, without rolling over. Could, could endure a roll of 89%. Of course, 90 is vertical, right? 89%, so one degree off, of, off the vertical, without pitching. It, it, sta it, it would stabilize itself. Now, you know, why did God build it like that? I'm, think so I'm, I'm thinking, uh, maybe, and maybe God overshot it. I don't know. You know, we don't know what the conditions were. I don't know how the flood actually happened necessarily, how, the big, how big the waves were. But I'm thinking, if we had rollers that big, you'd have been so sick on this thing. You would have been so sick. <laughs> and no windows, just nothing but dark. Have you ever been seasick? It's worse than death. It's a fate worse than death. <laughs> and they were on here for a year. Uh, anyway, I, there's a part of me that just says, ooh, boy. Had a tendency to orient parallel to the wave. So if I have a wave front passing like this, the ship would orient parallel as opposed to perpendicular. Perpendicular would have put, it, put, put two ends supported without a support in the middle, and the trough would have, would have broken the ship. It's, just, it's a very good design. Uh, it's a very, very good design. Uh, how could it have been big enough? Uh, again, remind yourself, only land animals were aboard. If you could, if you could breathe water, it didn't need to be on the, or it could live in the water, it didn't need to be on, on the boat, including seals, whales, et cetera, porpoises, all that stuff. All, all mammals necessarily, but didn't have to be on the, on the ship. They were there by the kind and not by species. So, so a cat is a kind, but a tiger is a species. So you don't have to have every lion, every tiger, every, every bob count, mountain lion, and, and your, your little home uh, feline in a boat. You just have to have a pair of cats. But from that pair of cats, you can breed up or down. Uh, we, we, we've done it. Uh, a dog, for instance, is a kind as opposed to a chihuahua or a bull mastiff being a species. They are technically the same species, but you really couldn't breed them because they can't produce viable offspring, one or the other. You know, I mean, you could you artificially inseminate, I guess, but, you know, it's, uh, you, see, you see the things there. But, again, we have not species, we have kinds. And so if there is 60 to 100 species in a kind, 350,000 species in the world, 100 species per kind, gives us about 350 kinds that have got to go on this ship. It's not that much. It's not that much. Developing within their, within their kinds, their, the species uh, proliferated. Also, uh, why would you put, even though I know that you've, all your greeting cards and your little decorations for your grandkids' rooms have showed these full-grown elephants and giraffes going on to the... Now, would you do that? I don't know. I'm not saying God, they could have done that. I'm just saying God do, does, does whatever. But, but don't in your mind think they had to have adults. I would not want a bull elephant with a female elephant going into heat on my barge, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking that would not go well. Anyway, I just, you know, it's, it's conjecture, but, but, but it would be a lot more practical to have babies on there of all these kinds. Just seeing, within, within reason, I mean, some of them you don't need babies, but you certainly would want, I think, a baby elephant, a baby giraffe, baby rhinoceros or whatever. Uh, you would certainly want that on your ark as opposed to, to adults, but just, just throwing out possibilities for you. How do they care for these animals? Well, I remind you, there's only one window, and it's shut. So I'm sure they had oil lamps on there, 
But yeah, I know. What did they do with that? But, you know, it was just part of their life. Um, but when you put animals in the dark for a very long time, you know what happens to them? Not just the bears. They hibernate. They enter into a, to a, to a position of stasis where they don't eat a lot. Uh, they sleep. You put me in a dark room very long, I turn into, you know, I hibernate. Uh, they don't eat a lot. Uh, they don't need a lot. Uh, they are uh, much calmer, you know, especially the longer you keep them there. And, and that's the conditions are exactly the way it's described. What would happen? And they're on the ark for more than a year. Totally dark. Lamps. That's it. So there's a lot of me that, that I'm not worried so much about the animals. I'm thinking, how did they put up with that? The smell. The, the ocean. You know, the, the, if you've never been seasick, and it, you, you know this, it's bad enough. And then if you have very strong smells on top of being seasick, it is. Mmm. I bet these people never wanted to see water ever again. So, so how do they care for the animals? I would think it would be not that hard. Uh, the conditions, are, it's not lit in this place. It's, it's, a, dark, it's a dark cave. Uh, how do they know to come to the ark? It's a very deep theological answer. Are you ready for it? God brought them is what it says. <laughs> Just let it say what it says. See, animals know stuff that we don't know. And they do stuff based on what they know. God gave us brains, which we don't, we're not very good at using. God gave animals instincts, which they're really good at using. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a, a machine. They, they have to do certain things. They, they can't break in many cases. They're unable to break uh, their instincts. So how did God bring them there? Well, I, you know, I can't really explain it to you. I can tell you some phenomenon of current things that happen among animals today. For instance, Mount St. Helens eruption in 1980, they expected tremendous decimation of the Roosevelt elk herd. And it did kill a bunch of them. But very interestingly, as they were going back over their data and the tracking they had on these elk and caring for them or whatever, they found out 24 hours before the eruption, the elk left the mountain. How'd they know to do that? How'd they know to do anything that they do? How they know when to fly south and where to go every single time, even though they haven't been there, they were born in Canada, and they fly all the way down and come back to the same field their parents went to the year before. How they know to do that? Born in a river and go out and swim all over the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean, go back to that exact same river. How they know to do that? They do a lot of stuff. They do a lot of stuff. Without GPS, we'd never be able to do or, or prior information, but it's just coded within them. And the Roosevelt elk, by the way, 24 hours, they had a lot less elk uh, killed by that event. Should have, should have been, should have decimated the entire area. It did decimate the entire area. Should have removed all the elk from that area. It did not because they left. Uh, my, my field of study is in fish. And I, in fact, I'm very, I've always been interested in sharks. Sharks have kind of been my, my thing. I grew up on the coast. And, uh, I had, a pet, I had a pet snake, had a pet shark. Did you know that? My wife and I, she, she married, uh, what was maybe two years after we were married, honey, we got a shark. Kept a shark until our kids were pretty much grown. So in an aquarium, because I like them. Because I can. That's when I did it. But anyway, I like sharks. And so I was just reading this article about the shark behavior. And uh, they were researching the sharks for different reasons. They were, I mean, they were looking for behavior things, but they found out something very interesting they, they had tagged and or radio uh, marked these, these sharks along the Florida coast, and Florida had a major hurricane landfall during that time. 
And uh, they, of course, you know, all hands on deck doing something else, nobody paying attention to the data that was coming back from these sharks. But they went back after the, everything was over, and they began to look at what the data was showing them. It was very interesting. Uh, long before the government, NOAA, had told them where the landfall was going to be, the sharks left that spot. How did they know to do that? They moved south and north or moved offshore. How they, before any Floridians evacuated, the sharks evacuated. How they know that stuff? You know, I mean, we're not shocked, are we? Because we know animals just know stuff. But how did they get come to the ark? Because, well, God has a program. He's got a way of doing things. He knows how to manage his, his creatures. Oh. Lost my... I had a major shutdown here. Hang on. So, so if sharks are doing it, uh, if elk are doing it, why can't all the animals do it? I, I don't see, I don't have, I don't have a problem with it, frankly. So, but the weird thing is, is so we have all these, in, in more, more or less, just summing up all the stuff that we've talked about and things we've considered. We have uh, all this evidence and all these things and all this, as, as I said, if a Baptist preacher can stand up here and tell you that evolution is washed up, anybody can do it. They're just not doing it. They don't want to talk about it. Because the alternative is they have to go back and say, could we possibly be here by intelligent design, which they will not address at all. It will not be considered. It is not allowed to be considered whatsoever. It's considered um, crazy, uh, nutty talk. But I've, again, demonstrated to you how nutty evolution is. The math doesn't work. The statistics doesn't, don't work. The, the, the evidence in, on any level, you just absolutely can't find anything other than Belief. Well, there's a lot of people believe it, but they can't do anything else with it. They cannot prove it. So even with all that information, the majority position in Christian academia across our nation, across the world, is that evolution is true. So again, like I said this past Sunday, our main problem with churches is why we're not effective because we just don't believe the Bible. We, we, we don't say that, but we demonstrate that by the way that we live and the way we teach things. And so Majority academic position and majority of Christian uh, uh, seminaries and um, denomination is that evolution is true, that the earth is ancient, and that there was no flood, universal flood of Noah. So, so what kind of issues are involved in saying this? Well, number one, if that's your position, then you're claiming that God is a liar or at best misinformed. Just take it for what it is. If you're willing to say that, then... Um, I'll let you. Because God makes a promise here, among other things, in Genesis 9, that I will establish my covenant with you. This is after the flood. And all flesh shall never again be eliminated by the waters of the flood, nor shall there again be a flood to destroy the whole earth. So that's a promise based upon this universal catastrophic flood that covered the entire planet. But again, Christians, quote-unquote, are saying that there was no universal catastrophic flood. It was only a local flood. So if God is referring to a local flood, promising never do it again, he's broken his promise hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of times. On the other hand, if he's making a promise about a unique universal flood that covered all the mountains, it only happened once, he's been keeping his promise ever since, hanging a rainbow in the sky uh, to promise that. So again, you're calling God a liar, or at the best, misinformed, at the best. And, and we saw this last time, but, but Peter predicts this sort of amnesia. Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, 
So is that who's teaching in our seminaries, in our churches? Yeah, if they're contradicting the Word of God, I'd happily, gladly call them a walker. That's what they are. Contradicting the Scriptures. They just don't have that, you don't have that kind of bandwidth between your ears. But, you know, knock yourself out. Following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming for ever since the fathers fell asleep? All things continue. Like I said, this whole, everything's never changed ever since the beginning. And we know that because we can't prove it, but we'd like to believe that. And that keeps us, you know, lets us sleep better at night and lets us keep our sins. That's really what they're after. Continue just as they were from the beginning of creation, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by, notice, what are they, what, what's escaping their notice? Like I said, the most prolific event, as far as evidence is concerned, is the global universal flood. Catastrophic. You, you, you just have to ignore about, about 99% of everything that you see. It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water and through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment uh, and the destruction of godly people. Again, the Bible predicts this modern amnesia that we currently have. Because again, all of our, all of our ancient history said there was a flood. And all the evidence says there was a flood. But now we like to say today, oh, there's no such thing. The flood was so different than anything else the world had ever seen before and since and could easily be misjudged by current standards. Yeah, if you just go by current standards where they say never, things never have changed, everything's the way it is, oh well, then uh, you try to explain things away. So they're claiming that God is a liar at best, misinformed, number two. Claiming when they say this that the Bible doesn't say what it clearly does say. Let's, let's, let's go to Genesis 7. We'll just pick through here. The Lord God said to Noah, enter the ark, right? You shall take an animal of everything by sevens, every clean animal, twos. You know, the, the, the average is two, two by two, but there were sevens of clean animals. Because why? Because when they got off the ark, they were going to eat them. They were not eating them before. They're also going to sacrifice them. Because that was, that's, that's God's system. There has to be, uh, a life has to be taken for the fact of our sin. Male and female, sevens of male and female, offspring alive on the face of the earth, verse 3, for sevens uh, keep going down. I know and is 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth, and no one his sons and his wife. And his sons entered the ark because of the water of the flood and the clean and, and of cleans and animals, of clean animals and animals that were not clean, birds and everything that creeps on the ground. Uh, there went into the ark. Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came about after seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth and 600 year of Noah's life in the seventh month and the 17th day of the month and the day. Now, it's very, very precise. Uh, but not according to your calendar. When you say, when you, when you say the, the second month, we're not talking about February. We're talking about the second month according to the Jewish, the biblical calendar, which that would have been April probably or May, somewhere right in there. The floodwaters of the deep, the same day all the fountains of the deep burst open, the floodgates of the sky opened, the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. The very same day, Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah and the wives, Noah's wife and the three wives of his uh, sons were with them, entered the ark. And then every beast after its kind and all animals after their kind and every creeping thing after its kind and creeping, earth on the, uh, creeping on the earth of its kind, every kind after, every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. And so they went into the ark and Noah by twos, all flesh. You notice it, it's repeating itself constantly. It's, it's reiterating the same story because it wants you to understand this is exactly how it happened. This is exactly when it happened. This is exactly to whom it happened. And this is exactly how God carried it out. 
And those that entered, the male and female of all flesh, entered God and command, as God commanded them, the Lord closed it behind them. And then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days. And the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the mountain, high mountains of everywhere under the heavens were covered. Again, these are universal categorical statements. And all the flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land and all whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. And thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, the man's animals, the creeping things, and to every, the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and together with those who were with him in the ark, and the water prevailed upon the earth for 150 days. And it was over the top of the mountains for 150 days. It stays on the earth for longer than that. But it stays at that depth uh, for that long. So, again, the Bible very clearly says, I mean, it uses 30-some-odd universal terms here to refer to the scope of the event. So, just say you don't believe it, and that's fine. But don't ever say it doesn't say what it clearly does say. Are you committing intellectual suicide over there? Because, you know, I don't know, you... you uh, you know, I, the people are doing it all the time. you got a male walking around claiming to be a female. I mean, that's intellectual suicide to me. Uh, but you can do that. I mean, I, you know, if you want to do that, I don't know. I don't know why, I, I don't know why you'd ever want to be a woman, because I think it would be pretty tough. <laughs> the, thus, it's either a universal flood or the text is an outright lie. That's your options. That's all you've got. That's it. More than a year underwater... And 150 days where the flood prevails over the mountains. I mean, that should leave a lot of evidence. And again, one of the positions, again, they, they, they don't have hard positions necessarily against the Scriptures. They have what I consider soft positions. Anytime you contradict the Scriptures, that's not a soft thing. But I, they don't come out and say, oh, we don't trust the Bible. The Bible isn't correct. They just say, well, we believe it was a flood. We just believe it was not a universal flood. And, and we also believe that it was just the mountains that they knew about that were flooded. So, okay, well, let's take their position. The ark says, it says in, in uh, chapter 8 of Genesis that, that the, in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And we know where that mountain is. There, here's a picture. It's not a little mountain. It's a big, two peaks, two volcanic peaks that are in northern Iraq, southern uh, Turkey, uh, you know, that general area over there, kind of where all the earthquakes have taken place recently. Uh, you're not little mountains. 16, the bigger one is 16,800 feet above sea level. So, well, oh, it wasn't that tall back then. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe it wasn't. So how tall was it? Well, we don't know. So, but it says that the ark came to rest. It doesn't say it came to rest on top of it, but it did say it came to rest within the mountains. So at the foot of the mountains, would you work with that? So let's give them that. The foot of the mountain of Mount Ararat is 4,000 feet above sea level. So something floated it 4,000 feet above by the way, your feet are six feet above sea level, so four, do the math, you know. Above us here, that much water floated it over so that it docked on those mountains. And there's some, there's some, uh, just some, just to give you some statistics, and uh, brother, you sent me some of this stuff recently, but I, I had some of this stuff as well. One inch, one square inch of water, one square inch a column of water one foot tall exerts 15 pound PSI on that one inch square that it sits on top of. Just one foot. So 
if there were 4,000 feet, which the Bible clear, it, at the minimum it was 4,000 feet deep. Uh, since, since this mountain was already there, and they knew about this mountain, so you have to assume, we have to, we have to conclude that the Scripture knows what it's talking about, right? Uh, we should. We have to assume that this mountain was underwater, but let's just give them that it only got up to 4,000 feet above sea level. So, so what kind of pressure would a minimum of 4,000 feet of water put on a square inch? It would give it 60,000 pounds per square inch. You know, the water column. One inch. One inch. 60, so any, anybody hunters here? High-powered rifle people? I know some people. Anybody reload? 60,000 pounds PSI is 30-06 pressures. Inside when the thing goes off. It's an enormous amount of pressure. It's got to happen in a very hardened piece of steel tube, and it pushes a bullet out the barrel twice the speed, faster than twice the speed of sound. That's a lot of pressure. You don't, I guarantee you that stuff goes off, and you don't even need the bullet to hit you. It would blow your head completely off if you suck your head in front of that barrel with 60,000 pounds of pressure. So that's if it only went 40,000. I mean, I'm sorry, that's 4,000 feet. But if we went over the top of Mount Ararat, like I said, its current height to 16,800 feet, you're talking 240,000 PSI per square inch. What would that do? It would mash a bunch of stuff. I don't know where you're from. We didn't push buttons. We mashed them. It would mash. But any, any, any essential oil ladies, snake oil ladies? I'm sorry, essential oil ladies here? We do. We, every day in our house, essential oils. They like them. They, they work. Uh, Sabrina, I know it's made a big difference in her life. Do you know what oil is? That is petroleum. It is essential oils. It is plants that have been mashed till all the good came out of them. That's all that it is. Petroleum is the ultimate essential oil. And, and you know, go bathe in it. Um, it's, I bet it's cheaper than this. <laughs> right, Sabrina? That stuff is high. Let's just go, you know, go open a can of... Uh, Haveling oil over there, you know, and pour it all over ourselves. <laughs> it's essential. It really is. I mean, it's, you know, go to West Texas and get you some light, sweet crude. I mean, that stuff is, looks like, looks like uh, thick tea. And, um, you know, pour it all over yourself, I guess. I don't know. But that's, you know, truly. How, how do you explain, or maybe I should say, this is, how, this is a good explanation for your coal seams and your oil and gas deposits, which are tremendous. They, they were mashed by incredible pressure till all the oil came out of them. And by the way, when you reach a certain level of pressure, you also gain a ton of heat. You start pushing stuff. You, you have, it's, it's, it, it starts getting super, super hot. So tremendous pressure, tremendous heat in a very short period, a year. You have all your oil and gas reserves. All, 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 your, all, your, all your fossilized uh, creatures uh, would explain the massive fossilization as, as well as the creation of oil and, and coal seams all over the world in abundance in our planet. So there was also tons of evidence that the sea level was much lower back then than it is now. I told you last week, you know, this, the rear grand here has, has a, a cut in the bedrock all the way out to the continental shelf, 150 miles offshore. Almost all the rivers in Texas and the Gulf of Mexico are all the same, especially including the, the Mississippi. But the Nueces, the Colorado, the Sabine I grew up on over in East Texas, uh, the Calcasieu, the, you know, name, and there's several of them out there that don't exist anymore, but the cut is in the bedrock. So it was three, 400 feet, maybe 500 feet below where it currently is, the, the, the sea level back then. So we're, you know, 4,000, if it was only 4,000 feet deep. I mean, again, the, tr the pressures, the, just, just trying to wrap your brain around that, for me at least. 
is just, it blows my mind. So, so claiming that the Bible doesn't say what it clearly does say, claiming that God is uh, a liar at, at the worst and a misinformed at, at the very least, uh, claiming also that they are better informed than Jesus and the writers of the New Testament. Because Jesus, both Jesus and the writers of the New Testament held, held to the same thing that the Scriptures, the Old Testament says. Here's Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah being, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence he'd never seen rain. Again, I've said that to you. It seems to indicate that clearly all over, including here. In reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the, what, Middle East? Ah. So universal, and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. He condemned the whole world, not, not just his general area. Again, Second Peter has a lot to say about this. As God did not spare the ancient world, but protected, notice the whole thing, protected Noah and a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Then the Lord, since God knew how to do that with Noah, he knows now how to rescue the godly from the trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. It's, again, it's a prototype. It's, a, it's not going to be water next time. It's going to be fire, but as universal as it was back then for the water, so it will be universal for the fire that's coming. Jesus uh, believed in and referred to the flood on numerous occasions. Here's one of them, Matthew 24. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like, so he's already come once, so he's talking about second coming, right? Just like it was in the days of Noah. They didn't believe Noah. They didn't listen. Whatever science they were paying attention to led them down the wrong way. And the broad is the path, right? That leads to destruction. And man, they were on it and they got it. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving marriage. So there was no reason to be alarmed whatsoever. Again, evidence is, I think I feel myself going off on a rant here. So, so wake me up if I, do, if, if I go too far. <laughs> evidence is, historically, mankind does not see what actually is coming. So I can just say with great confidence, whatever you see on the news isn't true. Even though, well, some of them are just out of, flat, out, flat out liars. Other ones are just telling you stuff they believe is completely true. And I don't mean they're not reporting necessarily what's going on. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Of course, they're, they're shaping it the way they want to. But what really is happening in the world today is nothing that will be reported to you from any human being. You will get it from the Scriptures. You can't trust it. Again, not that they're not trustworthy. We love them and we hope they come to Christ if they haven't already. But human beings, we're, we're, we live in, a, in the context of sheep being manipulated by wolves. You would never go to a flock of sheep and say, hey, what's the wolves doing? Because I can assure you the wolves are making sure that those sheep don't know what the wolves are doing. So you would never consult the sheep. You would always go to the shepherd and say, hey, what are the wolves doing? Oh, well, I never saw that. Yeah, that's why you keep telling you, you're a sheep. Sheep don't know stuff, by definition. So we're getting information from sheep, and they're coming through sheep news channels and doing all this stuff. I'm telling you, you're not going to get the truth from them. Not what's really going on. The wolves are going to make sure that the sheep don't know. They're, they're misinformation. They are liars. And I don't mean necessarily humans. Of course, I'm, I'm more talking about the spiritual entities behind them. Very smart very good at what they're doing. 100% liars. 
So, you know, pretty much as a rule of thumb, whatever the world says, just, you know, that's wrong. <laughs> that is just, I don't need to know anything else. I don't need to research it. I don't need to look into it. Hey, they just, we, we, are, we are live in a world that's dominated, that's dominated on a spiritual level by wolves. And so, you have to take everything by a grain of salt. So, so here's, here's the shepherd telling us how things are going to work. And he tells us that as people were misinformed back then, so they're going to be misinformed today. And so, it shouldn't shock us. Just, just learn, you know, grain of salt. Hey, I got to go to the shepherd to get my information. Jesus ties the judgment of the world to his return. The thoroughness of his second coming and the judgment of it ties it directly to the thoroughness of what happened of the world, world epic flood. So, so either Jesus is fooled about the past and about the future or... We are. They are. Again, you pick, pick a side because um, you don't have a choice. <laughs> to not choose is to choose. So. so, there you go. That's all the information I have. I've got a ton, I have other stuff, but I couldn't formulate it into Bible study, and this is our last time together. So, um, I've been gathering information about the creation and about evolution now since I've been a pastor and have been um, grateful to be able to present it to the stuff that I know and organize it into something that's uh, understandable. And I think you'll take it. Somebody was asking if, we, if you could use these Bible studies. Absolutely. My only request is you don't give me credit for it. Just say, some weird preacher told us this stuff. What do you think? Go home and teach a Bible study on it. Uh, stay connected with us. Uh, connect with us online. Um, we're, we're here all year. I know you can't be, but we would love for you to stay connected with us. Our, our YouTube channel, Island Baptist Church, South Padre Island, Texas. Uh, our Facebook, uh, be connected with Island Baptist Church, uh, South Padre Island. Our, fa our Facebook, uh, which is, we put sermons and Bible studies up there, events going on in our church. You can stay up with what's happening uh, with us. Or you can just go, go to YouTube and, and click on there. Share it with other people. Uh, we, want, we want people to hear uh, what we're doing, what's going on with us, and, and what God's, God's teaching us here. So, so uh, questions? Yes or Dave? Uh, Nancy and I drove over to Kentucky. See the, the argument. Yep. Oh, yeah. How close is that to how the art really works? I haven't been, so I can't comment. Of uh, Everything that I know about the ones who put that thing together, I would expect it to be really good. Uh, anybody else been to the Ark? Y'all been? Yeah, most of y'all. <laughs> so, it's, uh, I, I think they've done a good, I think they've done a really good job. Um, I know their heart is to, is to support the scriptures, and I appreciate, I appreciate that. Are they going to be right in every detail? Not any more than I will. Uh, but, but boy, their heart is, is to demonstrate, you know, we've, not been here very long, and God created things very recently, and we have, and, and by the way, we have uh, a creation, a uh, little creation museum, Brother, Brother Nathan uh, Smith has brought for us. You're a traveling museum guy, right? You just kind of travel with, you know, where do y'all sit in the car? <laughs> sit on top of rocks. Your mom sits on top? <laughs> So he, he's got it set up over, and when we dismiss here, I want you to go over and look at, at the models and things that he has, because it, it certainly backs up the stuff that we've been talking about. The evidence, you know, what, what is the evidence? Can we prove that God created in six 24-hour consecutive days? No. 
But you would think if, if, if he did, and you would think, especially if there was a universal flood, there would be a lot, a lot of stuff pointing that direction as opposed to what modern science says is, is true. And there is tremendous amount of stuff. So don't forget to do that when we're done here. Anything else? Yes, sir. Your thoughts on the ark being discovered archaeologically? In Mount Ararat? Yeah, I think it's possible. It could be there. I think it's possible. I think it could be there. Uh, you know, I, I don't have... I can tell you, if, if they found it and dug it up and prayed it down South Padre Island, the same people would believe and not believe in it. it it's, you know, miracles don't change people's hearts. They just don't. So, I, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be glad to see it myself. I'd, I'd like to go over there. Is there any kind of hunting trip we can take to the air rats? So they got, what do they have, Ibex over there? We can go. Let's just, we, can you get into Turkey? <laughs> Kazakhstan, we can go over there. I, well, that's not Turkey, though. That's across the, that's across the Caspian Sea. Yes, sir. So I know it would be conjecture, but do you think that uh, the, the need for food and water for a year, and even though they might have been hibernating to some degree, that God might have provided like he did manna for sure. the trip? Yeah, I mean, anything is possible. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it, could have been, it could have been very, very calculated. Like I said, this much water, this much food, or it could have been, you know, there's, you know, God, God does, this is all God's stuff. This is his flood. Uh, how do the animals get there? I mean, Noah just stands there in front of a boat he built, and they show up and walk on a boat. You try, ever try to get an animal in a, in a boat or a cart or a trailer? Never been on one? Yeah, remember the deer story I told you about? Yeah. There's going to have to be some override here, uh, supernatural override for sure. So they could have, it could have been, could have been a, any number of things. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says, it does say gather supplies. It does say he was to gather supplies. But, you know, how, how did he stretch those supplies? How did they, you know, how did Noah know that they were going to hibernate? I mean, Noah didn't know that stuff. He didn't have to, you know, stuff. He's, he's a sheep like us. He just, the sheep, the best, the smart sheep are the ones that do what they're told. So, but yeah. All, all that's a possibility. In fact, I think probability. Yes, sir. Can we get the annual family update? I'm sorry? Can we get the annual family update? The annual family update. Well, my wife and I are still happily married. 34 <laughs> years. 34, coming on 34 years. Uh, I'll be taking a sabbatical this fall uh, to finish a book uh, and to, to uh, re-edit some other books and make sure that they're out there where they sh they're supposed to be. My wife has finished a book, and she probably finished a book, another book on that trip, right, honey? Is that the goal? Are you going to do that? And uh, our kids all live in Austin, Texas. We have two daughters that live together, a 27-year-old and a 25-year-old. Uh, and they're, uh, they're working there, gainfully employed, paying their own bills, not calling us for, for money, which is great. Our son is married and uh, married a girl from Austin, uh, went to Texas A&M with her, married a girl from Austin, moved, moved to Austin and lives there, still had, himself has no contact with us. Uh, now it's been 12 years uh, for him. His wife does. His, his wife does talk to us. And so, and that's been, that's been a blessing to, to be able to have some kind of, other than through, through our girl. He still has contact with our girls, still does stuff with our girls, still goes to see our aunt in East Texas. But he himself, no, no contact with us. His name is Josh. And pray for Josh. So on your ministry with, your, with the kids, uh, if we were to bring a mission trip, a mission group, would, that, would you uh, 
We host mission groups in our in our facilities in in Mission, Texas. As a matter of fact, it's it's an interesting name. But um, uh, we do uh, whether or not they would be able to go in with the kids. You would ha that would have to be scheduled ahead of time because we only get them we get them two two days in in the week, two evenings in a week, and it would have to just make sure that they would coordinate with it. The girls almost certainly you wouldn't be able to go see because their their situation is just not the same. Um, may, maybe a contingent of girls would be able to go, a lady sponsor would be able to go. But uh, like I said, it's just really, it's a, it's a, it's a messy thing for them especially. So. I would say youth. Just because our youth, they, these kids love to see other kids, you know, from, from, the, um, from North America come and see them and care for them. So my, youth, my children's director has, you have a statement, Sabrina, or a question? Yeah. So we, could, we have two locations, so you know we did CBSs here, we did other sure. ministries here, so we do stuff in this facility as well. Yes, we do. <clears throat> so, yeah. Sabrina can hook you up. And we work with refugees as well. Yes. <laughs> We, yeah, they're just not caught, but we work with a lot of refugees here. We have a lot of a lot of illegal people that live in our area, and we love them. They're part of our ministries and. A lot of them have grown up through our ministries here and are off somewhere doing better with their lives. So we're happy to be uh, able to do that. Just where we are, the border, border's just that way. Everywhere you go on the border. Galen, did you have your hand up? No? Yeah, day four. Day four? Created the sun and the moon. Yeah. I'm just wondering, day one, two, three, I kind of associate morning and evening with the moon and the sun. I'm wondering how. Right, yeah. Well, it says, you know, day one, he creates light. So you got light for four days before there's ever a moon. So, so you could say, um, you you could say that the sun and the moon are artificial lights because there already was light. So you have, you know, he creates these sustaining lights. I guess you could say, and it, of course you have the end of the scriptures that also says there'll be no sun and moon, but there'll be light everywhere. Because, but there'll be no need of artificial light because the light of the Father and the Son will be iridescent throughout the old, all the new Jerusalem and the world, apparently, the new, new created world. So, so there was light before and there was light then, uh, but and I just had that conversation with one of my church members. She was just asking that question just earlier. And so this must be an important topic. I don't know. I have it twice, twice in a day. So um, obviously it says in the scriptures, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So how did he, if he was light, create light? Because the best I can tell, my, my narrow brain is he creates physical light at that point. But, but the, light, the spiritual light of, of all that matters, and again, we, we think everything that matters is something that's physical. And everything was spiritual prior to this. I mean, how, how much prior? Forever prior. We're headed into a forever prior where it will, be, will be, also be physical and spiritual. Uh, but don't, don't know exactly how that is. Uh, Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Okay, so God is spirit. He's not flesh. So how does he make a sound? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But they, they, had, they had a sense in a, in a relationship with him different than what we have. Their experience with him was different. All, all this, ha in, in my mind, puts all, comes together to not, not a final conclusion, but at least says something was very, very different uh, back then. Very, very different. 
So God creates physical light before there is any entities that pr produce that light, like the sun or a reflection of the moon. Um, so that's all I know about that time. But we're also the same thing, you know, the sun, S-O-N, we're, we're, we're like the moon, we're, we're, you're the light of the world, but we're not, we're reflections, we are, but we aren't, I don't have any, I don't have any, my own light, I'm a reflector of the light, and we're conformed, being conformed to his image, and the more we do, the more we reflect him, we don't reflect Bill, this world's not about Bill, the world's about Jesus, and uh, that's, so that's, that's my job, conformed to the image of his son, who is light, and in whom there is no darkness. Well, he who follows me will walk in uh, the light of life and will not stumble because he has the light of the world uh, in front of him. So, so uh, you know, those, those terms are, are um, you can't separate them, but even though there are, there, are, there are differences. Physical, spiritual light, you know, uh, creates the, the, the animal, uh, creates the plants before he creates the sun and the moon. So, I mean, it's just a day before, but it had to have light. Anyway. Something else. David. The name of the voice center is uh, Valley Baptist what? And education. Mission, missions and Valley Baptist Missions and Education Center. And it's, it's headquartered in Harlingen. If you go to the website, you won't see a picture of me, so don't be looking for it. <laughs> In fact, it, our whole none of our board is named on there. I don't believe. So, Bill, can you make a comment or two about the Grand Canyon? There's archaeologists always refer to the Grand Canyon. Right, the Grand Canyon is a big place for evolutionists, and I, you know, um, I know. Uh, again, the position of modern science is to say everything is the way it currently is. The Colorado River, which runs through the Grand Canyon, we know have a certain cubic per cubic meter per 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 second uh, flow of water, and it goes up. You know, when the snow melts, and it goes down. When you know, in the summer, they say it's always been that way. Back to what Peter says. You know, they have this amnesia that things were not the way they currently are, sometime in the past, and. Uh, uh, as as a as an argument against the Grand Canyon being produced, being created in over millions of years, you have what happened, what took place in Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens created its own fossils, created its own geological layers, and created its own many Grand Canyon within about six about fifty days. And it it you have all the same similar similar layering, similar fossilization including fossilized trees in that, what was it, Spirit Lake or whatever the thing was. Uh, all with, because we had a lot of heat and a lot of pressure, which that's what it takes to get these fossils uh, going. And it, it, creates, it creates this layered effect. So, so the, the assumption is, is that things have always been the way that they are. Again, they can't prove that. The demonstration on the planet is that things haven't always been. But there is evidence, of course, there was a tremendous lake in what, what now is Salt Lake City, but the entire... Uh, I guess would that be west of the Rockies, between the Rockies and uh, the Sierra Nevada, which is in, in um, California. That entire area all the way up into Canada was, was a tremendous lake, and that when that lake broke loose, it carved out. But it doesn't have to break loose and carve out within a day or two. I mean, within a, a, a million years or two. What if it broke loose, you know, in a day or two? You had that much water running over even hardened ground? It's kind of... I'm going to chop a big hole. 
Again, they're, they're basing everything on the assumption, and that's all that it is. They just believe this, that things have always been the same. And again, there's tons of evidence that's, that demonstrates something different. So I'm of the faith, if you will, of the belief that all happened. Probably you're looking at Grand Canyon happening within a very short period of time. Possibly. Possibly be. The average, by the way, the, the average height of the world, sea level, above sea level, is just 1,500 feet above sea level. That's the average. Half the world is below 1,500 feet sea level. I mean, you're six feet above sea level. And half the world is above it. So, if, again, back to the whole 4,000 feet above sea level, you know, if that's how high the arc was when it hit the Mount Ararat, well, you know, 99% of the world is below that level anyway. You, you put 4,000 foot of water over the whole globe, it floods 98% of North America. The rest of it is, of course, above that, but 90% of North America, most of us are from, I mean, how, how, how many feet above sea level are you there in Saskatchewan? About 500 feet, yep. Y'all be way underwater, but we would tell you, we'd call you and say, hey, the water's coming up over here. It's coming north. Head for high ground. Banff, I think, would go, you know, but, you know, back, back to the whole flood thing. They say, you know, of course, the conjecture is it was, you know, maybe, maybe all the mountains weren't formed back then either. But we do have some that were pretty big that were in, in biblically formed, in, at least the way the Bible describes Mount Air at 16,000 feet above sea level, 16.8. So wild stuff, right? Uh, again, you're, you're left with, you're, you're, you're left with, you're not left with science. You're left with a belief system either way you go. Either you believe what the scriptures have to say, or you're going to have to believe what evolutions have to say, because neither one of them can prove us. We're all left with, com we're, we're completely at our, um, uh, what's the word? We're just simply victims of being unable to live very long. And we don't have uh, anything other than to sit where we are and look at what we have and say, what do you think happened? And that's all we got. Okay? Good. Yes, ma'am? Um, how far underwater did you say that Mount Ararat might have been? Mount Ararat? <laughs> to, to cover it would have to have been 16,800 feet current, as current height. 16,000... Don't know how tall it was back then. It would be, I would think it would have been something less. It's, it's erupted since then, but not much shorter. It was a mountain. It was a really big mountain. So, but again, the base of Mount Ararat is 4,000 feet above sea level, where, where it comes up from the ground. And it was not a, it was not a ground, at, I'm sorry, it, it, the base of it was 4,000 feet. It was certainly somewhere above 4,000 feet when the ark rests upon it. So somewhere above that. And it, all the other mountains, and again, it's conjecture to say which mountains were, were arose during the flood and which arose when the earth was separated and we have all these tectonic uh, movements taking place and all that. I mean, it's, you know, and that created these folded mountains that we have. Um, I don't know. But when it says the mountains, I believe it. And I believe it was, you know, we're not talking about Arkansas mountains. We're talking about, you know, serious mountains, big ones. So, all good? So you're going to leave here and go see what Nathan has to show you over there. It's going to be some really cool stuff. Let's, let's pray. What are you going to do? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the time we've had together. Thank you for these people and for their faithfulness. And we thank you, God, that your spirit 
is presiding over us and help us to realize our condition, God, and how easily fooled we are. And uh, God, that how, how incredibly important it is that we're talking to our shepherd at all times, that we're listening to what he has written to us and we're taking it for what it says. Thank you, God. Bless this teaching, these things that we've learned in our ears and hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.